A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Women Arsecast on Arsblog.com. Don't put .com in, that won't work. Uh, Arsblog.com with me, your presenter, Tim Stillman. And this week uh, on this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different and something I've been really wanting to do, particularly this season. And I think it won't have escaped most of your notice, whether you go to games at Meadow Park or not that obviously there's been a lot of talk about swelling crowd numbers uh, this season in the wake of the Lionesses Euro success. But I think at Meadow Park, you've probably seen, and if not seen, heard, um, that the the big improvement in the atmosphere as well and kind of fans clubbing together, fans going to away games, away ends are becoming more of a regular thing in the WSL. Um, and, and I really think that's really added something to the experience um and and it's something i've been banging on and on and on about for a long long time because i really think that women's football the product as it were has really needed this we've got people know the players now people understand the quality of the game um we can sell you know we can sell lots and lots of tickets but i think when people watch particularly on tv one of the things that's been missing from women's football is that sense of I guess tribalism, but that atmosphere, that camaraderie in the crowd. And I really think we're beginning to get that at Arsenal this season. So in this episode, I'm going to talk to a few different people. You're going to hear from a few different people in a few different uh, avenues. Um, so I took my dictaphone into the North Bank uh, for a game uh, and, and recorded some of the chanting and stuff that's going on in there. Um, but also um, later in the episode, going to be talking to uh, three of the individuals from AWFC Home and Away who've sought to create a burgeoning kind of social scene and improve the atmosphere at Arsenal home and away games. But first, going to talk to um, the treasurer of the Arsenal Women's Supporters Club, Brian Kelly. Brian, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Hi, Tim, and thank you for asking me to join. Absolute pleasure. Um, Brian, um, you know, you and I have known each other for, for quite a while now, but um, <laughs> for, for the for the um, kind of, uh, for the benefit of the listeners, would you uh, like to start with kind of setting out, I guess, your role, your responsibilities with the Women's Supporters Club, uh, and I guess a little bit about your background as a fan with Arsenal Women? Of course. Um, so, as an Arsenal supporter, I, I, I started watching Arsenal back in 1984 um, and um, subsequently ended up um, watching my first women's game in 2014, um, Conti Cup final, which we lost. Let's not talk about that. At least, <laughs> at least, at least we're winning them now. Um, so, um, yeah, so I've, I've been around Arsenal women for approaching, what, nine years now? Um, and had the you know the pleasure of seeing several managers and teams come and go. Leah Williamson, of course, just been sticking around. Um, <laughs> I, I still remember the fact um, 
uh, Kelly Smith turned around and said if she ever leaves, she'd kill her. So uh, I'm, 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 still, I'm still holding her to that. But um, yeah, but no, ultimately, we, we after COVID, we relaunched the Supporters Club. Um, there had been, you know, several guises of it in the past um, under you know, different leaderships. Um, and so just before the commencement of this season, uh, I got voted in as treasurer um, and we had um, obviously a chair and another role, secretary, etc. So ultimately, my responsibility is, you know, managing the money and all the memberships and all those other bits and pieces. But I've also stretched out to do a lot of the social admin. Um, so the nice thing and the, the, you know, the positive wave after the Euros and various other things that have happened has meant that we've, we've seen a huge growth in the, in the social side. Mm. Um, you know, once upon a time, we had about 3,000 people on Twitter and 6,000 on Facebook, and now we've got like 30,000 combined. So it's, it's, it's a real um, level of engagement that's grown, not only in the stands, but also out there in the, in the that verse as well. And when, um, <laughs> when I say when you took over, um, that, that's probably not the phrase I want to use, but when you were voted as treasurer, like, as you suggest, since COVID in particular, when fans have come back into the ground, you know, there has been a bit of a, of a kind of relaunch of the, of the Women's Supporters Club. What did you deem as your real priorities uh, when you kind of took that role? And I know there are other people involved as well in that. I think for me... Um, you know, and I was talking to Claire Wheatley about this the other night. It's, it's just about getting the basics right. And, and fundamentally, you know, what, what does that really mean? Well, it means getting, you know, away ticketing. It means shining a light on our supporters, which hasn't always been, you know, the approach of Arsenal, being totally transparent. Um, you know, it, there, there's been a few heart-to-heart conversations around that to make sure that, you know, they, they do get the recognition that they deserve for the commitment that they, you know, bring to every game. And immediately, you know, you, you turn around and say, well, we all like to be liked. We all want to be appreciated. The, the moment you give people that recognition, and that includes, you know, even the squad behind the team. So, you know, the management and the coaches, etc. You know, we, we reflect back on that and surprise, surprise, they like it too. And, you know, it, it's for me, it's just getting those basics right. It's about getting a representative on the Arsenal advisory board, which we're, we're close to do. It's also about, you know, having representation. And I know that you were and have been for a long time a massive advocate for the women's side about representation at the Emirates, um, you know, the banners and bits and pieces. So we, we had a very small involvement in that, but we're very proud to have our, our, our banner on the outside, um, you know, and looking forward, we're hoping to have that inside the bowl very soon, um, only a year late, but we're, we are getting there. <laughs> And, you know, you referenced there <clears throat> talking to Claire Wheatley. So, um, I mean, just for a bit of background for people, I think the Women's Supporters Club, testing my memory here, was launched in about 2017. And it was actually Mark Brindle, who is the current uh, supporters liaison officer at the club, who kind of, um, I remember having a conversation with him about it. And he's like, is there a Women's Supporters Club? And I said, no, I don't think there is. And he just said, why not? Um, let's have one so but then he it became a very organic process after that he kind of met with a group of us and said look you guys should have a supporters club go and set one up and you know we'll we'll 
uh, will kind of look after you as part of our our, our portfolio, um, as it were. So I, I've kind of got a big markup for that. But how how often and what kind of dialogue, dialogue and who with um, at the club do you speak to? So it, it really varies. I mean, certainly, you know, having had a backseat on this previously, you know, a year ago, if you'd asked me that same question, it would have been one person from the club. It would have been Mark turning up to a call once in a blue moon. Um, you know, and I don't mean that in a horrible sense, but there just wasn't a drive. There wasn't, you know, a purpose to to have that level of engagement. I think the last time we had a meeting with, with the club, there was most probably about 10 or 11 people representing all the areas. So that can range from, you know, Claire as head of women's football. It can be um, our ticketing reps. It can be um, Yannick, who obviously organises all the things around the stadium. It, it's Mark, it's um, Chantel, it's Tatiana and James, who do all the stuff around, um, you know, um, supporter engagement at, the, at that kind of thing. We have disability liaison officers present as well. So it's, it's really quite a eclectic but also full mix of representation from their perspective as well they want to be engaged with us um we are slightly overdue and a a catch-up meeting but it's fair to say that you know on a weekly basis we most probably exchange you know five ten emails amongst the group to say you know this is the next thing that's happening this is you know are we all on the same page so i think that that's the the positive step that there's definitely far more focus on ensuring that the supporters club are served if that's the right term yeah definitely and and obviously it must have become and even because obviously we had covid behind closed doors and then i guess it probably felt like maybe beginning of last season there was almost almost a bit of a blank sheet of paper to kind of really assess the match day experience but obviously since the summer and the euros it's kind of exploded and it's also happened so quickly. I feel like we're almost taking for granted that things like away ends happen in the WSL. Now, has that explosion and interest, what kind of challenges um, has that posed the supporters club? I I, I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, you know, to to your point, you know, give a bit of history here. The largest um, supporters club previously was 65 members. Um, we're, We're nearly reaching 900 now. So that that explosion, that enthusiasm that has come from the likes of the Euros has has almost set newcomers expectations because, you know, full well with the Euros, you had one portal to go and ticketing. You had those simplistic approaches that people like yourself and I and, and others that have been around the women's game, and I know you've spoken about this a lot, is, you know, Arsenal supporters, women's supporters, are detectives they use twitter like there's no tomorrow to go and you know where where do i go and buy my tickets from etc etc and and it's lovely to feel that being part of that explosion but also a a kind of a guiding light and 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 a platform and a framework for our new members and existing as well to, to kind of think, oh, actually, the club are engaged and want to have a ticketing portal for us and have thought about how do we want to promote those rivalries? How do we want to promote togetherness? Um, so, yeah, but I, but I think to your point, we, we've been very fortunate in terms of the timing and, you know, 
some of it is is absolute luck some of it is hard work behind the scenes it's that beautiful swan that's you know um you don't uh, see the legs exactly <laughs> kicking away but not as graceful if, if i'm at the top um <laughs> but um but yeah i think it, it's 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 an opportunity for you know groups like red and white and home and away and stand and others to really benefit just from that platform um which is a great thing and you know as you, as you alluded to at the beginning of this you know it, it's it's an immense feeling to have that sound at, at, in our ground to kind of go actually they're they're not and and this may sound a little bit controversial but they're not just caring about one player it's not a fangirl mm. experience it's a community we care about the team we care about every single player um and if i may just give you a little quick you know little tidbit is is the fact that you know stina and um Kaylin reached out to us the other day and said oh you know this is going back a few games but said you know we, we hadn't we had we didn't really hear a chant for frida so can can i can we give you one um, you know, and obviously, you know, they just hadn't heard one, which is fine, but they, they, I'm, I'm reassured that there were several. Um, but they recorded one back for us and, and, and wanted us to pass that on to the, those communities. So I think it's that kind of mutual respect now that is also coming from the players and, and you know, the backroom staff to say, actually, they're on board and we, we want to help each other. And, you know, the whole one club mentality is really coming together now. Yeah, and I I think it's great as well that the players feel that and experience that and you reference their, um, you know, that kind of appreciation and and I think on Arsenal women's socials now you see it a lot more like um, after the Conti Cup final, lovely video of everyone singing uh, The Angel by Lewis Dunford and, you know, there's a lot more kind of thank you for your support um, type post is that and you know and and away games as well is that a conversation you've had with the club um let's say yes <laughs> it's, it, it, i think i think it was more an impassioned plea about a year ago um you know if the the, the story is that for those of us that were over in Denmark, uh, what a year and a half ago, um, and I know that you were up in the booth, and and I was on the mound, and you know, for for the four of us that travelled, it was an interesting experience, and and really a, a moment of, I don't know, a bit a bit of a reality check to kind of go, you do know the four of us that have turned up and paid, you know, six, seven, eight hundred pounds to get here, but you're giving all the love to Arsenal Denmark. And I, and I fully respect that. I get that you want to grow, you know, the, the optics, you want to grow the marketing element of everything else. But the idea that you're not saying thank you to those of you who travelled, who have absolutely put yourself out, felt really alien to me. And and so that there were, let's say, several conversations around that to kind of really promote the idea that all it takes is a get home safe tweet. It's those little things, you know, the basics, you get those right, people will appreciate it. People will, you know, endear themselves to wanting to go, oh, yeah, thanks, admin. That's really appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. I won't harbour on about that, but (laughs) it's fair to say that that was that was most probably number two on the list of things to sort out. Yeah, definitely. And we're recording this the morning after the men's team have played in Lisbon. 
And, um, you know, look, you can always tell when the players have been asked to say something because uh, yeah. and this, this goes for the women's side as well. You get a lot of kind of similar messages going out at similar times on Instagram. But, yeah, like pretty much every player that played last night in Lisbon did a thank you for your support. Arsenal did a thank you for your support, safe journey home type thing. So, yeah, a- absolutely it follows that that should happen for the women's team. And, and, and I think it's definitely noticeable um, that it is, even if there was, I know there was a little bit of disquiet after the the City game, for example, in the WSL, where obviously the players were really disappointed. But um, I know there were some supporters who were a little bit disappointed that that the that perhaps the players didn't make as much effort as as people would have liked uh, to go and acknowledge that. So. Um, you know, I, it, it's kind of a learning process, right? I've got, I've got a feeling that might not happen again. Um, but you, you referenced Brian there, like um, some other groups that have popped up um, with an interest specifically in the match day experience and the atmosphere. And we're, we're going to talk to some of those in the second half of the show. How do you? Um, I guess how do you? interrelate with those supporters clubs because again this all just goes to the explosion right you're talking about there used to be 60 odd members of the supporters club now there's there's 900 and there's a couple of other uh kind of interest groups popping up how do you how do you work with those guys i think the 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 really positive thing is about the supporters club today is that as i said it's really meant to be more of a platform um and i think often people don't entirely understand what the role of a supporters club is that you know I'd, I'd love it to be the kind of the enthusiastic sound provoking you know crowd orientated element but actually it's more partnering with you know groups like the FSA the Football Supporters Association to improve the overall experience and the club and you know other supporters groups etc um, but in terms of you know what these guys can bring and you know like so we're talking red and white we're talking home and away um we're talking the east stand you know they they definitely need a shout out as well it's it's more the fact that they can be incredibly agile and and i think that that's what empowers them to be as successful as they are um you know we have open communications we have whatsapp groups etc i mean we have 500 people in our whatsapp groups um i'm sure that you put them on mute as much as i do (laughs) (laughs) and um but but realistically you know it's 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 all about a learning curve isn't it it's about how do we work together how can we improve that experience and make sure that everyone's on 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 I suppose being really inclusive as well. Mm. I think that's an element. I know that um, I think it was the red and white this morning put out um, a series of tweets about the importance of, you know, people that are coming to games on their own that perhaps want to be part of the singing group and stuff. That's, that's fantastic. That's exactly what we should be doing. We should be developing this community. And as I said, I think, you know, from my perspective, the supporters club was always about that inclusivity um element and kind of going look if you're if you're sitting alone or or you just want to be you know left alone and watch the game great if you Mm -hmm. want to be part of these you know crazy people who are giving it absolutely large in the north bank then 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 do that as well um so yeah i think you know it's it's an evolving relationship with with all the groups um you know you mentioned in terms of you know the Arsenal women's side but in the past we've you know we've had engagement from Acer and AST and um even Ashburton Army and the likes um but it is it's still something we're feeling out we want to kind of make sure that we're getting it right for the right reasons 
and also just going back to the people that have you know joined us immediately after the Euros that perhaps don't have any previous experience on you know women's football or even football at all it's it's about helping set standards for them to make sure that they get the best out of the 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 day and the football experience that you know I'm sure that as your little one grows up that's exactly what you want for her as well yeah absolutely and and um you know i i know you're not one of those kind of uh <laughs> ultras i hesitate to say um in the north bank but i don't know about you i i had a real like because i've been i've talked about this so much um i in fact i talked about the lack of it for years and years and years and now it's like it's kind of here as it were like i'm really really enjoying seeing it obviously uh, from my vantage point um, it's not really uh, appropriate for me to burst out uh, singing Stina Blackstinius's name to the tune of Karma Chameleon because um, I, I get some looks and I probably get thrown out of where, <laughs> where I'm actually sitting. But I had this real moment during the Conti Cup game against Manchester City where half an hour before the game, there's like a few hundred people in the North Bank already singing. And I was thinking... This, I know it's Manchester City in a, se- a semi-final, but just before COVID, we played Manchester City in a Conti Cup semi-final. I think there were more people in the ground half an hour before kickoff this time than yeah. there were in 2020. And, and you know, they're singing. There's that wonderful relationship between, um, you know, the guy on the PA who's like knowingly playing some of the songs like Tequila, like Karma Chameleon to get the fans going and things like that. And I thought... Wow, this has come such a sh- such a long way in such a short time. Where even last year, I don't think that would have happened. And just, I mean, speaking as a as a fan and taking your supporters club hat off, do you have like similar moments? Does it, you know, how do you, how do you kind of feel when you hear and see the fact that home games being sold out is just a regular normal thing now, and people singing in the ground and and stuff like that. Like, how does that make you feel just as a fan? Oh, away games too, Tim. Away games too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, you know, let, let's be honest. It's it's football is one of those kind of emotional experiences. You know, we've we've all gone ups and downs of, of the whole process. And, and when the team's winning and everything's going exactly how you want it to be, it's the most buoyant experience and exciting thing that, you know, a lot of people will, will really appreciate. But when the team's not quite going the way it, it could or should, it's about giving them everything. It's about giving them more and making that feel, you know, I'm, I'm kind of almost smiling just saying this out loud. It, it's about truly supporting you know without doubt without question and i know you know there will always be you know venger out jonas out etc etc whatever but we, we move on from that but the, but the point is that it's it's really exciting and rewarding to see that level of interaction between you know the players the, the, the supporters you know hearing it out loud and knowing that people feel confident and comfortable to come together to do it um you know arguably there's a few uh, things around you know the use of swear words in women's football at the moment oh how dare we um but but you know what it's you know as i said i, th- I think you you have to be incredibly passionate around football and you know you do it in your own way but it yeah i i'm i'm overworking the answer but basically i just think it, it it's a it's a really good thing i think we we've gone in the right direction 
Yeah, definitely. When you said that, I was thinking of the West Ham away game, you know, like a difficult moment in the season, um, not a great result in the end, even if the performance was kind of okay. But, you know, just seeing that kind of full terrace behind the goal and people with Sweden flags as well, because there'd been things maybe said uh, or written about Stina Blackstinius and, and, and Lena Hertig and just that kind of level of, you know, we've got your backs. Um, yep type thing and and you know look I, I know um great friend of yours but I can't help thinking what a wonderful tribute to Maria Petri as well does that ever cross your mind regularly um I have to pause when you say that um <laughs> yeah I mean you know she she was she was this kind of crazy woman who <laughs> you know committed so much and was so passionate and was you know continually positive um about everything and you know i i had the pleasure of knowing her for you know the time that i've i've been at arsenal women and hearing her at the emirates previously but um yeah sorry that's a that's a little bit of a touchy one but for, from my perspective she she kind of personified what support was about you know you're willing to to give it your all you're willing to kind of put yourself out there and say this is important and we should care just going back to the Stina point, you know, that 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 was in part about, you know, supporting her as an individual I know, but also was on the back of the fact that, you know, she was out there and along with Kaylin supporting, you know, her, their teammate. And, and, th- and that, you know, got fed back into the community of supporters and they were like, wow, OK, so, sh- so she's doing that. So we, we need to give her more. We need to. And you're like, yeah. This, this is how it should be. It's not about, forgive me, I don't think it's about individual players. I mm. think, and, and, you know, I know the terminology is most probably not appropriate nowadays, but fangirling. But but realistically, it's about supporting the team. And that includes the backroom staff. It includes recognising, you know, the likes of Rosie and others who, you know, people go, well, who, who's that? And you're like, yeah, she's the fastest sprinter you'll ever see on that pitch. I'm telling you right here and now. Um, <laughs> Soon as someone goes down. <laughs> exactly. I, I love the fact she always out sprints every other physio. <laughs> it's worth noting for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, look, like, things like um, away, j- just to kind of wrap this up, I guess, like things like uh, away ends and all of that, that stuff doesn't just happen. Um, and I know you guys have, you know, uh, shouldn't have to fight for these things, but I use the word fight advisedly. But in terms of what's next, I mean, I know you guys, for example, are talking a lot with the club because – there's the conversation about how do we transport that enthusiasm and energy we're seeing at Meadow Park into the Emirates where it's bigger, um, you know, it's still not quite full. It's clo- it's getting close, but, you know, where perhaps there are a few thousand empty seats rattling around. What, what kind of conversations are you having with the club at the moment about kind of helping to get that vibe um, into the Emirates that we see at Meadow Park when the women play there? I think, you know, at, at a marketing level, I'm, I'm aware that, you know, there, there is greater investment going in, in in the case of like our upcoming Champions League game at Bayern. Um, you know, there are elements that we can factor in and, and encourage, you know, like the giving away of flags and other bits and pieces. But I, but I would also argue the flip side of that, which is I don't, I don't necessarily feel that that has to be the given. I think, you know, people should want to come and see a game to come and see a game and to come and see professional athletes play, 
not just because you're going to get a 50p free flag kind of thing. Um, but I, but I do think that, you know, we've been working behind the scenes with Emily and Georgie to, to really, you know, develop the approach around ticketing and, you know, the, the plausibility of sitting, you know, closer to the dugouts or allocating rows and spaces to supporters club members so that, you know, once again, I, I keep referencing the term community, but it's about bringing people together because if you create that quorum, then realistically you, you can hear it, 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 it becomes a thing and people will gravitate towards it if, that, if that's of their interest. I think in terms of, you know, the upcoming um, Champions League game, my understanding is that they, they have a target, that they're hoping to really hit that target. It's unfortunately nowhere near the targets for WSL games. Um, and I, I'd like to be thinking that, you know, once again, forgive the terminology, but, you know, maybe like our fair weather um, supporters, you know, let's look at the other night, realistically, you know, we didn't have the biggest turnout, you know, the weather was awful, etc, etc, etc. I totally get that, you know, we, we have some amazing supporters out there that come from the Netherlands, come from yeah. Germany, for our home games, that's, you know, they're mad, I mean, I know how much I support going around following every game, Um, but, you know, but that's that's immense. And I think, you know, what we want to just do at the Emirates is is rinse and repeat. I mean, realistically, I I alluded to this earlier about the fact that around the branding of of the bowl and the Emirates and stuff, you know, we're we're very eager to promote something and and, and get something out that is Arsenal Women's Supporters Club at the Emirates. Um, which has never happened since you know 2015 when we when we first started. Um, so yeah, it's it's about making to to my mind making the Emirates um, our home. I think that's that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I, th- I think in you know in interim, I, I admire the likes of Man City. I know I shouldn't say that too loudly, but I think <laughs> you know the the Academy Stadium is actually a really fit for purpose stadium um i know that you and i have met at at brentford stadium you know twenty thousand capacity or whatever it is that that to me i mean it's local to me as well but that to me would be a perfect stadium for arsenal women as a stepping you know stone um but whether that's realistic whether that's going to happen with our commitments at boreham wood i don't know you know that's a conversation for people that get paid to do this job yeah absolutely and and i know there are challenges as well because like people want to sit near the dugouts but actually the tickets get sold far away from the dugout so that they're opposite the cameras and you can understand why that happens and yeah yeah there's there's as as ever with women's football there's so many logistics there's so many debates there's so many um uh, i guess competing interests as well but um yeah the, these are all conversations we'll continue to have but um brian just in closing i, th- I think uh, the job you and 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 others on your committee uh, i know you mentioned the kind of um uh, the the liaison with the fsa and things like that and rachel major who's very very uh, kind of experienced around that particularly from following england around and, and obviously england it's it's a bigger thing, right? So maybe that's that's like a, a quite a mature model. I don't know, but I, I I think the the work that you guys have done over the last couple of years has just been has really contributed um, to what we're seeing now. And obviously, there are still some wrinkles and kinks to work out, but that's always the way. Um, but Brian, thanks so much for your time, not just on, on this podcast, but um, 
I guess for the time that you put in that a lot of people don't know about um, for supporters so that when we turn up at places like Chelsea and West Ham, there's a terrace there for everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay, thanks very much to Brian. Um, going to take you into the North Bank for a couple of minutes, just so you can sample some of that uh, increased atmosphere that's happening at Meadow Park. And after that, we are going to talk to some of the girls from AWFC home and away to kind of focus a little bit more on the social side and the actual uh, fan culture side. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back after this break. We've won quite a lot in the haze. We've won quite a lot. We've won quite a lot. We've won quite a lot. Emma Hayes. We've won quite a lot. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So big thanks to Brian Kelly from the Arsenal Women's Supporters Club for, um, I, I guess, I don't I don't know if I want to say the official view, um, but I've, I've been wanting to talk to Brian for a little while, particularly around a lot of the activity that's happened with the, uh, with the Arsenal Women's Supporters Club, particularly post-pandemic with fans coming back. But now, um, with no disrespect to Brian, who is very much hardcore, um, as you heard in terms of his attendance, but now I'm going to speak to the hardcore. Um, and and one of the things really really been wanting to talk about for a little while, and that we've referenced in the mailbag pods, is uh, the the real kind of improvement in the atmosphere both at Meadow Park and at away games, and the way we've seen away ends and things like that, which has just been such a great and overdue development. And joining me um, to talk about that uh, in order, first of all, Eve. Good evening, Eve. Good evening, Tim. Thank you for having us. Thanks for joining us. Um, we're also joined by Lauren. Hello, Lauren. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having us on. Absolute pleasure. And fi- uh, last but not least, Dahlia as well. Dahlia, thanks very much for joining us. Hi, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so you guys, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this, Eve. Uh, well, do you know, actually, bef- before we go to like, um, you know, the Twitter account and the, the kind of group you've kind of set up let's hear a little bit about each of you first um eve do you want to just uh you know i guess introduce yourself and your kind of history of of watching arsenal women how long you've been going to the game supporting the team etc etc uh yeah i'm I'm eve as we've said um i'm a a relatively recent fan i suppose in the grand history of arsenal women i um was post uh, 2019 world cup was the first time I'd literally ever watched women's football. Um, And then so I sort of 
based off that, I just thought I'd pick a team essentially because um, my the team I sort of grew up with, Stoke City, uh, did not have a women's team that I could easily access. So um, I really liked Miedemar and Vanderdonk during the World Cup. So I essentially was like, okay, I will support Arsenal women. Um, so yeah, then I went to my first game in uh, January 2020, I think, at Meadow Park. Um, yeah, I brought my dad along, and um, it was a very different experience to what it is now. But um, yeah, that's kind of where it all started. Yeah, absolutely. And we did an article about this on Ask Blog News a couple of months ago and the, the amount of people that came after the World Cup in 2019 in particular, I think that's been a real a real kind of um, threshold like for, for supporters. Lauren, if I come to you uh, with the same question. So slightly different to Eve for me. I'm a, I'm a lifelong Arsenal fan, grew up going to men's games all the time. So kind of knew of the women's team for a very long time that you know the classic page in the program um that you'll see um but it was a bit of a random time start of the 2018 season that I got into it I just started university and I um met a friend that uh actually was a Chelsea women's fan and asked if I um knew anything about um the Arsenal women's team and pretended I did and proceeded to follow them on social media and read up all about them um but obviously that turned out to be you know a great time to start start, yeah (laughs) Um, so I was lucky enough to follow them kind of mix of online and in person through that title winning season went to my first game uh at the start of 2019 I think um Yeovil Town um, at home on a Wednesday night um, and yeah been been trying to get to as many games as possible ever since uh, that that's an interesting game as well because that I believe was the last WSL game that Arsenal played that wasn't broadcast anywhere because uh, that was just before the FA player and I believe after that all of our games were on somewhere so it's a good one to start with um Dahlia, what about you? What's what's your kind of story with Arsenal women? Yeah, so very similar to Lauren. I uh, grew up a fan of the men's team, kind of from the womb. It was kind of thrust upon me. I had no choice. Um, and similar to Eve, again, I'm an infamous post-World Cup 2019 fan. Um, you know, I did go to the old game as a kid, but it was very much like family day out kind of vibe. Um, I wasn't as invested in it as I was with the men's team. Um, and yeah, that really kind of intensified over lockdown. I'd gone to the Conti Cup final, watched us lose in heartbreaking fashion in a way that kind of, yeah, intensified how I felt about the team. And then going to games post-pandemic, I started to go to a lot more away games because I'm studying up north. Meadow Park is slightly hard for me to get to, but um, when I was experiencing the atmosphere there, um, obviously talking to people, making new friends like even Lauren, um, we just felt that something could be done. So, yeah, that's kind of my story. Excellent, excellent stuff. And, and Eve, if I just come to you with this, because um, kind of, you know, obviously, so the Twitter account is AWFC Home and Away, and I think what's really interesting is we're seeing some of these, I guess, slightly informal groups pop up. There's Red and White as well, and the Women's Supporters Club, I think, has become a lot more active over the last kind of year to 18 months. So, you know, AWFC Home and Away, do you classify it as like a supporters group? Is it just some friends coming together? Is it just a Twitter account aimed at kind of corralling support? What's, you know, what's the kind of, I guess, what is the group and what were you setting out to achieve? Um, yeah, so it started out very much just as f- for us guys, I guess. Um, as Dahlia alluded to, we um, 
we started to go to games together about a year and a half ago, something like that. Um, and in those games, we would kind of just our little group of four or five um, would start to get chance going. We'd come up with chance between us and, you know, make some small attempt to, to get a bit of an atmosphere going. But obviously that's quite hard to do um, with not many people. Uh, we had a couple of successful ones. I know that the Caitlin Ford Vegemite chant was one that did actually get going last season. Um, so, um, yeah, but then it, was, it wasn't until this, the start of this season. So um, the Brighton home game. Somebody tweeted afterwards, oh, whoever made up the Raffaele chant, drop the songbook, it was great, or something like that. So we kind of thought, oh, you know what, that's actually something we could do. Um, so we we just thought we'd make like a WordPress that had kind of all the songs that we actually hear at the at the women's games um, and maybe a Twitter account to organise meetups at the pub before going to games, especially away games, because for us, that was just a part of it that was completely missing from the matchday experience. Um, it was just something that we did between ourselves, but we, we really wanted it to grow into a bit more of a complete matchday experience rather than just turn up, watch the football in silence and go home. <laughs> Yeah, and and like you know, I've I've been to um, a few of those meetups as well, particularly before away games. And what's what's really kind of impressed me is how quickly it's kind of exploded um, in terms of like before the Villa game, before Christmas. Like you know, we had that little room, and there, you know there were probably like fifty, sixty people in it, and and I kind of thought, wow, like I never, I I didn't think I'd see this, and it and it felt to me like it was waiting for someone maybe to to just take the initiative and do that a bit. And Lauren, if I come to you on this, like when you started going to games, you know, early 2019, um, when you kind of start going to Meadow Park and, and whatnot, did you feel that like that sense of urgency and vibrancy and atmosphere was perhaps missing from women's games? Yeah, massively. Like, as I said, I kind of grew up going to um, a lot of men's games, had, you know, family friends with season tickets that we'd use a lot. Um, and starting going to the women's games, you know, I loved it. I loved the football. It was the football that was bringing me back rather than the atmosphere at that point, which is unique, I think. But I just felt like there could be so much more going on. And, you know, I was bringing, I was either going by myself occasionally or I was bringing random friends that really did not want to be there and forcing them to sit there with me. But, um, you know, not only was the crowd really small like that Yeovil Town game my first game I mentioned had about 350 people I think there like sat in the east stand and but the you know the noise was almost non-existent I think the only recurring voice you could hear for for a couple of years was Maria's in that stand Mm. who obviously we we massively miss but um yeah so I always kind of felt like I wish there could be more. I wished we could bring that noise and that atmosphere to add to, you know, what I was seeing on the pitch. But I kind of felt for quite a long time that it was probably only me that felt like that and that, Mm. you know, everyone else was kind of happy with it as it was. And I think now we've kind of learned through firstly meeting each other, but also meeting all these new people from these new groups popping up that probably a lot of us were sat there feeling the same thing, thinking it was only us, but actually all it needed was kind of, one or two people to galvanize it and start organizing organizing something yeah absolutely and and i i think from over the years as well uh, you know i'll point out we're recording this before the conti cup final so we don't know the result or anything like that but particularly at cup finals when there were bigger crowds they still weren't that big until recently it was still very much like children's voices that you heard and and of course like uh dahlia there's nothing wrong with that and like um 
you know, but but women's football has pretty much always to this point been packaged as like a family event um, kind of thing. Is, is it important to you that that isn't the only fan culture that is both uh, recognised and and you know and and present at games is there like a sense from you guys that okay like it is a family day out but then there are some of us who aren't really part of that scene and want to create something from our, for ourselves yeah 100% um i think just a few months ago there was that tweet from villa woman saying pepper pig will be there which i think is just the prime example of how it's marketed um i think even after the euros i don't think we've seen a massive massive change um, and I think what's really struck me is that our young adults like us, um, but also just people I talk to on the daily, um, my friends at uni, people I meet through work, um, a lot of people are open to going to women's football matches. They're just not yet dedicated consumers of it. Um, and I think it would be an idea um, for them to maybe market towards that demographic as well, because I think it's cheap. Um, people are feeling the pinch right now uh, financially and I think yeah I mean it's not too much of a drain on my finances when you consider a ticket to the cup final was five quid um, and yeah as for tensions between family friendliness and uh, being a young person or a young woman in that space I think I, I'm not really sure how you reconcile those tensions um, mm. especially when you've grown up around like a men's football atmosphere Obviously, you don't want to bring any sort of discrimination into Meadow Park or an away game. But also, you're kind of used to being able to swear. And I think Mm -hmm. it was a big culture shock for me coming to it. Um, Maybe even getting told off, maybe getting a bit of stick from families um, for booing, even like that's not accepted within some corners. And I found that quite quite shocking even. Um, So I think there's definitely been a bit of a sea change this season um in terms of that but again i'm not sure how much of it's solvable yeah and uh, uh, there's just a couple of things come to my mind i mean first of all i think clearly now we've got away ends which is a really recent thing like even last season that only really happened at big games or it was impromptu you know i think like family enclosures are, are probably not far away but what you said there as well about um like the marketing element the pricing element like i i keep thinking of products that have done this right and and it just i've never thought of this before but it made me think of nando's and one of the reasons nando's really really um was able to kind of penetrate the market was because they offered that in-between option right for like students or young people who didn't want to go to mcdonald's anymore with loads of kids but perhaps couldn't afford to eat in like a high-end restaurant and nando's provided that kind of you know that almost like that in-between option both economically and and catering to that market and i I think that's, that's actually really really interesting and something we don't talk about enough about like the accessibility of it isn't just about families like you know young young people like yourself students um, and things like that, and and um, and I guess Eve, I, I, I'd ask you like about away ends happening because one of the things I always used to talk about was like, look, away ends aren't about segregating; they're about bringing people together. That's that's what it's really about. Like people, we don't have them in the we don't want them in the WSL because like we're afraid of people kicking off. It's so like corralling people together. I mean, how? I mean, first of all, how? 
how pleased have you been to see like at games like West Ham and Chelsea recently, like Arsenal having like their own terrace filling it, you know, how, how pleasing has it been for you to see that? And like, do you guys feel like you've really had to push for that? Yeah, it's it's literally completely changed the game. When when I compare away days that we went to last season, um, Man City away, the the one one last season is one that sticks out because that was one where, like you say, it's it's not that we need none of us were going to scrap any of the Man City fans that were there. Like we just wanted to be in a block of Arsenal fans so that when that equaliser went in. We, we all jumped up, we're, you know, maybe we were giving it large a little bit, but um, <laughs> celebrating, but we were in a complete sea of Man City fans and it, it just, like, that's just not, it wasn't nice for them, lol, um, but it was also, <laughs> like, not as much fun for us as it would have been um, if we'd all been able to totally erupt in a in a sold-out Arsenal away block and I, I can't believe it's taken this long, long to happen because I feel like that's just been such a not a quick fix because I'm sure it takes organizing but such an immediate impact on how the games feel and probably how the games look as well on TV yeah 100% and and Lauren you know as, as someone personally who goes to like most of the men's away games as well most of the people I go with are people I just randomly met on a train once or had a drink with once 15 years ago and now I can't get rid of them uh, and I see them all the time and I sit with them and, and stuff like that and then you know Obviously, in men's football, where there's tens of thousands everywhere, that like that's really easy to do. But what for me, what really brings people to the state is like the social side, and the match is like the central part. But for me, like, do do you feel like certainly that social side um, perhaps had been or has been missing um, in women's football? And does it feel like you're really making progress in terms of? you know, bringing that social side to games so that people want to keep coming back. Yeah, 100%. I think that's one of the the things that I've noticed that's kind of growing game on game massively. Like, you know, we obviously weren't lucky enough to find each other, the kind of five of us and start going to games. But even when we started kind of working with the Red and White, who are an incredible um, group that have um, come out of all of this to kind of create pre-match meetups and sort out seating and things like that, we were kind of coming as a group, but most people were kind of coming to these early meetups on their own or just with a partner or one friend um, and meeting people. And I really do feel like the most incredible community kind of akin to what we see, like you said, in, in for the men's team has been forming, you know, people that now travel together for every game. There's a massive group all going to Munich together, which is great. But just, you know, knowing that they'll always be around for a pint to travel down together to a game. You know, if, if these guys can come to a game now, I wasn't, I wouldn't hesitate to still go because I've met, you know, lots of incredible people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. Um, And yeah, I think these pre-match meetups are a massive part of it. We've got, it's kind of growing every time we've gone from maybe 20 at one of the first ones to now. I know it hasn't, happen yet as we're filming this as you said but we've got over 75 for the Conti Cup final um which is incredible and yeah um amazing community and just you know a great space for people to find people to go with and to watch the women's game with because you know that I think that's something that's really important yeah definitely and I I might ask a couple of you you this question um but Dahlia I'll, I'll start with you about because one of the things I always kind of felt is that women's football, like a culture, perhaps since the 2019 World Cup, like a fan culture 
had started to emerge, but largely as an online phenomenon. Um, so like social networks, I'm far too old to use like Tumblr, which I don't think is quite as big as it was, but Tumblr and now TikTok, like it feels like women's football culture was forming there, but not in stadiums. Um, and I wonder whether your experience, because the experience of a lot of people I talk, I've spoken to over the years is like, I really want to go, but I don't know anyone else who wants to go. None of my colleagues, none of my friends or whatever are, are really into this. Like, I, I guess, was that your experience when you were getting into women's football that really it, it felt like an online culture that you're now trying to bring into the stadium a bit more? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that sticks out for me is I obviously got a sense of how passionate people were online, but that wasn't translating into the stadiums at all. So, like, for example, I would drag a friend who was interested in football but not a diehard. Um, and, yeah, it was just sort of this dissonance between what you see online and what you see in person. So I think, obviously, it's very important not to let too much of the crazy stuff you see, like, bleed into <laughs> what you actually do or say. But... Um, yeah, I think it's about offering a bridge for people who maybe are watching from different countries, uh, maybe that have the courage to go to games. Um, I think it's also important for LGBT people. Um, I know this mm -hmm. space has like become very important for me because I think it was my first group of gay female friends that I'd made as an adult. Um, and that, that was very important for me too. So I think obviously online spaces are good in that they can help they can help you research the team. They can help you chat about tactics. Um, but I do think, obviously, I understand why the stand culture exists, but mm. I think this group is more about moving away from that and then moving towards supporting the club uh, as a whole, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and Eve, I might I might give you a crack at that as well. Just I, I guess about um, well, I don't think it is attention, but. You know, like you say, like, um, you know, like Dahlia was saying there about like uh, gay culture for women as well, um, which obviously in women's football, that's that's really, really prominent. Um, and, you know, like stand culture with players in particular. I had a conversation with Helen Hardy um, the other week who who runs Foudies and she was saying like the like the behavior of like people that buy from the, the site people will buy multiple team shirts because like they support a national team or something, or perhaps they support a player instead of a team. And I guess like, um, you know, how do you, do, is it necessary to reconcile those things? Can all those things coexist? Do you like dabble in all of those things? Um, like how, how do you experience all of these kind of different microcultures that are going on um, around women's football? Yeah, I mean, for me, that kind of stan culture, the player first fandom, it's not something that resonates with me at all. It's not how I, you know, would want to want to support a football team. I also don't want to ever tell anyone how they should should or should not support a football club. You know, un unfortunately, I wish I could. Um, <laughs> but um, so I think. Um, I guess what we're trying to do is maybe when you can't actually tell anyone to anyone what to do, maybe just provide a better alternative. So like um, at games, you know, we just want to show up and be loud and, and make being an Arsenal women's fan in person at the match as kind of 
as good as experience as it can possibly be so that maybe more and more people start to get involved with the in real life um, section of it as well. So I think um, for me, at least now, uh, the social media side of it is becoming more and more just a tool to facilitate the real life part of it, which is um, for me has been a lot more, it's just been so much better. Yeah. If you don't mind me quickly jumping in on that. Sure, please do. Um, I think the other thing that I really saw is that looking at social media um, as as an Arsenal women's fan, I would always see, you know, in the early days that Arsenal women of the WSL clubs having by far the biggest social media presence in terms of fans um, and the biggest fan base on, on sites like Twitter and Tumblr and things like that. And that just never seemed to translate into real life. You know, you had the United um, kind of fans kind of emerging when they joined the WSL and other clubs who had kind of regular away support and things like that. And the Arsenal support just never really matched up to what it did on social media and what what the potential could be. And I think we're really galvanising that right now. And like you said, turning that into a real in-person support of the whole club. Yeah, definitely. My my kind of theory around that for years has basically been the way that Arsenal fans have interacted with the women's team is that once a year they see them do like a lap of honour or, or this way it used to be anyway. Like once a year, every May, they'd turn up either at Highbury or at the Emirates, they'd parade like three trophies, everyone would give them a round of applause and then everyone would forget about them for a year or so. Like it, it wasn't like a total ambivalence. I almost feel like Arsenal were victims of their success in terms of building that fan culture. It didn't feel like Arsenal were building towards something. It felt like they were already like this monolith in women's football who just used to win everything every year and everyone was like, oh, that's nice. Now I'm going to like turn away from it for a year kind of thing. Whereas like you said, with Man United, for example, I think some of those fans, they had to literally fight to have a women's team at all. So when it came along, it felt like a like a much bigger thing. But um, I mean, if, if I stick with you on this, uh, Lauren, um, not least because, you know, I know you, you support the men's team very actively as well. What are the, obviously there are still distinctions between like even what we're seeing now at Meadow Park, even though it's coming more towards maybe the experience of a men's game in terms of, of, of atmosphere, but it's obviously still very distinct. What are the things, I guess, what are the, the things you'd still like to take from the culture of men's football? Because I think we, you know, we're all adult enough to say there are definitely things that we wouldn't want to take from the culture of going to watch men's football. But are there still things from that that you really want to take into the ground at Meadow Park and and away games? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, which we're very slowly starting to see, but I think can be built on massively, is the kind of banter between sets of fans, which I think that is only going to come when all different, all the different kind of clubs in the WSL kind of get their support to a, a certain level. But, you know, being able to kind of like go back and forth between the sets of fans and stadiums and kind of play off what's happening on the pitch. Um, and it can be like a little bit, I don't want to say derogatory, but, you know, mm. a little bit not necessarily PC because, you know, like, the players will take the players take it. The players love it a lot of the time. The Lauren James, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we all get involved exactly. Like I think we were the three of us were all at City away a couple of weeks a- weeks ago, and um, we were kind of singing 
you look like a traffic cone to Ellie Roebuck because she was all dressed in bright orange and she was loving it, laughing back at us, same with Lauren James, as you said on the weekend. Like the players increasingly say that they love it and they enjoy it and, you know, the fans thrive off it and it makes the atmosphere better. And I think, you know, people are still worried about a boo or a, um, you know, a swear word. And I do think that, you know, there's boundaries massively and we don't want to get into kind of, things that are said and derogatory comments that are made in the men's game still. But I do just think that banter, um, it, you know, it increases the atmosphere. It gets all of us kind of like involved and um, invested in what's happening on the pitch even more. And yeah, I just think there really is no harm in that kind of that level of it. Um, so I'd love to see that um, kind of continue um, and push further. Can I just yeah. put in really quick? Yeah, sure. I don't want yeah, to like, yeah. overemphasize this at all, but I do think it gives you somewhat of a competitive advantage because I think the, um, certain players aren't really used to it. You know, if you have a group of rowdy fans behind the goal telling you you're awful and, you know, Franz Benson's better than you, um, Ellie Robert let in a really soft goal after we were having a go at her. So... I mean, I'm not saying that was the cause of it, but I do think there is something in that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and actually, um, at, at the Chelsea FA Cup game, there, were, there was definitely some of that backwards and forwards developing. And I think Arsenal-Chelsea is like the, the real rivalry um, in the WSL. And look, as much as it, it pained me when it happened, like when Jonas walked uh, into the tunnel, those Chelsea fans were singing, Jonas, what's the score? And, you know, I think that's the kind of thing Lauren's talking about, right? It's it's that yep. kind of like, you know, n- no one needs to like clutch their pearls because like someone said, Jonas, what's the score? Um, but at the same time, it is that kind of, that, that kind of give and take a little bit. But um, yeah, I think, sorry, just to yeah, yeah. jump in, this is a topic that we obviously all care about a lot. Mm. I think, um, yeah, people are people are so used to women's football being how it has been previously and are so, so used to the family-friendly marketing and so used to kind of often negative descriptions of, of men's football culture that they kind of see any departure from the polite clapping and the, you know, we're all in it together, there's no rivalries. Any departure from that is kind of like there's going to be full-scale hooliganism in, in a, you know, in a year's time. And I think, yeah, it's, it's, trying, to, it's trying to find that balance between pushing it on and, and, you know, getting the banter in and reassuring people that just because there might be booing, just because there's fans, like, singing funny chants at players, it's not going to devolve into this, you know violent <laughs> violent mess like um which is yeah something that we obviously nobody wants to see yeah yeah and and lauren like am, am i reading too much into it if i kind of I, like i get a bee in my bonnet about this stuff about this kind of like oh you know the women they don't dive and they don't do nasty tackles and no one ever gets sent off because referee like for me i think a lot of referees think oh you know, she's taken her out of the knee, but she probably didn't mean that, you know. And and there does seem to be this, like, quite protective. I, I did a podcast with Carrie Dunn a couple of years ago um, about this, and she was talking about this kind of, like, falsified, like, maternal angel narrative and, and all of that. Like, uh, am I going too far by thinking that this is an extension of that? Or do you think there's an element to which... I know like gatekeeping is a loaded term, right? But perhaps there are a group of longer term women football, women's football fans 
who maybe like things the way they are and want them to stay the way they are? Like, do, do you sense any kind of underlying tensions there? Yeah, I, I, I think it's something that is we're really kind of all grappling with at the moment. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that kind of you have these old, older women's football fans, often a lot of them in kind of not positions of power, but kind of positions of hierarchy within clubs because they've been here a long time. And, you know, they they do love women's football the way it is. And and like you've said, I don't want to I don't want to kind of um, kind of prescribe how people should watch and care about women's football. Um, but I do think we've shown there is another way and it doesn't have to be kind of one mold and don't get me wrong we've all spoken about how we um it's a bit annoying that we can't buy meadow park tickets the day before anymore but all in all the growth of women's football is is amazing it's important it brings these different types of fans in and all these different types of fans should have the space for what they want so you know the kind of older fans will still get their kind of their safe space and their ability to enjoy football without kind of the racism the sexism all of that but at the same time what we're proposing isn't that it's just taking the good bits from men's football, the community, the atmosphere, um, and kind of, yeah. And, and pushing for that and creating that within the women's space. And I think, yeah, it is, I, I think a lot of the feelings around that kind of what women's football is, does come back to that, that these ideas of sexism that you mentioned and that Carrie mentioned. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we see it in kind of the reaction to the Ella Toon situation on the pitch. And then we see it off the pitch by new new people coming to women's football and expecting it to be a certain way. Um, and, you know, alongside the Peppa Pig thing, Dahlia mentioned, you've got the, the dancer at Spurs from a few weeks ago um, that we all had a good laugh at. Um, but yeah, I think we're really working on making a space for everyone. And that includes everyone that includes people that want the atmosphere um, and want the fun and the banter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and Dahlia, um, you know, I know something a lot of people are talking about as well at the moment, especially since the Euros is like the real increase in, um, and to be fair, we do see this in men's football as well, but probably not to the same extent, but the real increase of, can I have your shirt? Uh, can I have your boots? <laughs> All of that, and like these poor players, if they, oh god, if they gave in to ten percent of those requests, I don't think they'd have any any kit. I don't think there's like a kit maker that could make that much. But uh, and that kind of like that that kind of creep towards the front row uh, with five minutes to go to get like again is you know. Like because I, I take it you guys don't do that, and I'm not saying that like judgmentally, but I guess let let me just let me just phrase it like uh, quite glibly. Then does that annoy you at all? Like is is that like does that get under your skin a bit? Like the volume of of that that we're seeing at, at women's football games. I mean, personally, I would rip up their season tickets and ban them for life. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, um, I mean, I understand why they do it. Um, I think it's mainly school-aged children or parents telling their children to get a signed shirt so they can flog it on eBay for a grand. But, um, yeah, again, I'm not sure what I would do if I was the club. I I do think they should not allow signs in, I'm sorry to say. I mean, maybe that's a bit harsh, actually. Um, signs for begging, I don't think we should have in the women's game. I think it's very unseemly. And can yeah. we also ban Mexican waves yes. and flashing the phone <laughs> torch while we're at it? Because that the they, Ed Sheeran-style phone torch situation. 
Yeah, and yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a really difficult one to police because, like, you either ban it, which I agree is is like is probably going too far. But um, I, I do think we're probably coming to a stage where players just can't do it anyway, um, and that it will probably dry up quite naturally because a lot of people will realise they're just not going to be successful at the Euros at the England um, Norway game. There was like a kid in front of me. I felt so sorry for him though because he was holding up like Beth Mead. Can I have your boots while they were warming up? And <laughs> I was like. His dad really needs to tell him you're not you're like you're probably not going to get Beth Mead's boots at all. Sorry, you're definitely not going to get them before the game starts. Um, so <laughs> a little bit of common sense there. But um, a, a question I'll, I'll throw. Or I'll start with Eve, but maybe I'll throw it open to all three of you just to finish. But are you surprised at how quickly this has taken off? Because for me, the idea to do this podcast right came to me during that Man City Conti Cup semi final because I was looking at the North Bank like 20 minutes before kickoff and I was like, wow, I never thought I'd see this at a Conti. I know it's a semi final, it's against Man City, but we played a Conti Cup semi final against Man City at Meadow Park just before lockdown and there were probably about 400 people there. And there were more people in the North Bank 20 minutes before the game than there were at that game. And and for me, it's how quickly, like, has it surprised all of you kind of how quickly this has snowballed? And perhaps has that told you? I mean, particularly in like the pre-pandemic context, right? Because everyone's only been allowed back in the grounds since last season. Like, has has the, the extent to which you found lots of other people really willing to join in with you has has that surprised you at all leave yeah i think when you actually take a step back and think about the difference between you know recent matches and and even a year ago it's absolutely incredible how quickly it's happened especially because we were kind of at these games and and singing the songs and not getting a lot back and that would kind of that kind of led us to believe that there was no appetite for it you, you know it would be easy to believe that and the way that it snowballed has just been incredible. And I think that is, uh, well, I've got to give a shout out to, to Lewis um, from the Red and White. It's taken sort of individuals um, just to sort of step up and do a little bit of organising. And it's, it's really, it's taken a lot, I suppose, overall over the season. But originally it took making a group chat, making a Twitter account, publishing a songbook, like, and just people people have latched onto it and it's incredible. And, and now there's such a great community. People who, yeah, turned up for the first one on their own and now they're, you know, getting lifts to Manchester with friends that they didn't know a couple of months ago, like staying around each other's houses for away days. And it, I think it's just absolutely incredible. And I, I definitely, if you'd have asked me uh, before the season started, if, if this would ever happen, I would have said absolutely not. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's a, a testament to a few individuals actually doing the awkward thing and being like, hi, does anyone want to join a chat and, and going from there? Yeah, definitely. And, and Lauren and Dahlia, what about you guys? Like how... Um, you know, look, I'm going to say, I think you should be, you should be really proud. Um, because like, personally, I like, I can't do anything about this where I sit nowadays at games. Like I have to, I have to stay stony faced and neutral, but I've been waiting to see this for years and I've been whinging about it for quite a long time. Like how, you know, do you feel that sense of pride? Do you feel that sense of happiness that this is like, this is picked up really quickly? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, 
like what Eve said about kind of comparing it to just a year ago is a really big thing in my mind because obviously I can go back and compare it to Yeovil Towns on a Wednesday night with 300 people. But it's looking at literally just last year equivalent games where I really see like the massive difference. I think there was the Villa game at the end of last year. Um, the what was it? Eight nil, nine seven nil, seven nil. There we go. Um, you know, that felt like a big moment for us. Like we were finally getting a few people joining in with the Caitlin Ford song, the Stina song. And comparing that to, you know, the the Villa Cup game not long ago now and all the games this season, that feels like nothing. Like we'd stand there in the North Bank, the five of us, and we'd sing our songs and at most we'd get like a little laugh and a, a thumbs up back. And we we thought that was great at the time. We were like, wow, it's, it's not going to get better than this. But to see what it's become, like like you said, with just a little bit of work, it was there, it was ready, and, and and people just had to kind of, yeah, put their neck out a little bit and do it. But I'm not sure I really believed it was until it started happening. So, yeah, so happy that it's happened. And um, I'm just so excited to see where it can go because we've been doing all this and it's been great, but there's so much more to happen. You know, we're working at the moment really on Emirates games and getting people together for that and, and creating kind of a singing section at Emirates games, because that's kind of been the downfall at the moment and working on outreach, getting new people to come. So loads more plans in the works and so much further to go, but, but yeah, really proud of where it's come. Yeah, and and for you, Dahlia, so like I, I always like you, you can't fabricate fan like fan culture has to come from fans, right? And another thing that really struck me, I think it was before the City game, you know, you guys sing the song for Sabrina D'Angelo, and so what happens at the next game after that? Like the the guy who does the PA, whose name I forget because uh, they moved the press box and don't sit over there anymore, but. Um, you know, they play tequila before the game. And and that's that's a really great example of how it comes from the fans first. And then, like, the club can I kind of interject and do little things like that. Like, you know, I, I guess just the same question to you. How, you know, when, when you see things like that and you experience things like that, and again, I'm going to say it, like, you guys have started something here. You know, how does that make you feel? Like, do you, do you feel like this has caught fire quite quickly? Yeah, I mean, first, I just want to say, I think the club are very attuned to what the supporters and these groups are saying, um, like what you said about the PA, but just the fact they're willing to discuss how to improve the atmosphere at the Emirates. I mean, all credit to them. I think the social media are very on it too. Um, so all credit to them. But I think, again, I think it's important not to overemphasize how difficult it is. Like, I think the most taxing thing we've done is maybe ring up a few pubs. I think if on the off chance there's uh, fans from other clubs listening to this I would say just do something similar like it is really not that hard to make a Twitter account if you've got a bit of self-confidence if you've got a bit about you um you will find those networks naturally and and things will just build from there um yeah and I wouldn't say it's it's taken a huge amount out of any of us to do it I think it's just group effort and yeah I'm just happy to keep doing more yeah definitely and and look you know the amount of effort maybe but like the, the thing is, like, women's football fan culture, it's kind of rootless. It's never really existed before. So, like, I know, you know, you, you don't feel like it's a lot of effort, but, like, you're creating something from the ground up and actually that gives you a lot of room to move and, and to do things. But, like, yeah, I, I guess just, just in, in closing from me, um, I, I think what you guys have done is great. 
Um, and, you know, I know it's not just you guys. And like you said, people like Lewis um, and Red and White and, and all of that. And and Joe, who I know will be listening to this as well, who really kind of made a, a conscious decision to write, we really need to to step up and do this. And and, and I think also, you know, I, I forget which one of you mentioned it, um, but I, I think what a fabulous tribute to Maria um, as well. And I think, I think she'd love that. So um, what you guys are doing is great. Keep doing it. Um, because it's great to see, um, it's great to hear. So, um, Eve, thanks so much for joining us. And can you tell people where they can find you on Twitter? Oh God, um, the, the group that is. You don't have yeah, to put your own. Yeah, yeah. No, don't worry. I'm just. I'm not used to being on podcasts. So I was like, I'll get all my socials ready. Um, so we are at AWFC Home and Away. Oh, Home Away on Twitter. And then I should probably give the red and white a shout out. I feel. Um, definitely and we'll put the songbook in the uh, in the show notes as well so that people have access to that uh, lauren thanks so much for joining us thank you very much tim and dahlia thanks so much for joining us as well no worries thanks for having me that's all we have time for for this episode we will be back with another episode we'll probably do a mailbag at some point during this month i don't know i don't know what day of the week it is at the moment um quite frankly um, but we, we really hope that you enjoyed that episode. I really, really wanted to, um, you know, both to discuss that, but also to center it uh, as well and bring it to people's attention because I think it's one of um, it's one of the really uplifting things that's happening around Arsenal women uh, this season. And uh, you know, hopefully, no one. Um, well, it's it's something as well that can't be ruined by um, ACL injuries as well. So. Um, there we go. <laughs> uh, and like I say, we're recording this before the Conti Cup final, so we don't know if we won that yet. So maybe that's the most uplifting thing that's happened by the time you're listening to this. I really, really hope so. But nevertheless, uh, do follow Red and White. Do follow AWFC Home and Away on Twitter. Do follow the Arsenal Women's Supporters Club and join it um, as well because... Uh, all of this community is just growing and growing and I think we're seeing it do great things. But that's all we all the time we have for this episode and we will talk to you very very soon indeed Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.